Welcome to The Parent Path. My name is Lauren Travers and I am the director of the Q Studio Lab Education Center in Sunnyside, Queens. Today we're going to talk to a fellow educator, Chelsea Dolliner Hikawa, about how we enter our new world of the play date as we're trying to keep our children safe, socially distanced, but at the same time have relationships with other children. So with no further ado, I will let her introduce herself. Everybody, my name is Chelsea Dolliner Hikawa. I am a mom of two. I have a four-year-old boy and a boy who just turned eight two days ago. And I've also been a longtime teacher of music and uh, English as a second language um, and translation and a, and a bunch of things. What do you think the most challenging part is for kids as they enter into their first moment of play dates or exchanges in some social fashion with other kids? It's something that like so many kids have been dreaming about seeing their friends again. And then when they're faced with the actual, actual situation, it's the excitement, it turns into trepidation and they actually almost don't remember how to interact the way they used to. It's like suddenly there's so much to share mm-hmm. with the other child. Mm-hmm. That that's also overwhelming. Yes. How do I possibly begin? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the very first things, obviously, that it's a little bit delicate, but when you do get together in social situations, especially if that's someone you haven't seen, you have to establish rules of interaction first and make them clear so everyone feels comfortable, right? So first, you know, discussing with the other parents exactly how you want to go about getting together and what the rules are for touching or sharing or wearing masks or however that is. Communicating those guidelines so that all the kids know what, what page everybody is on and it's not scary, even though it's new and it's not something we're used to. We all know how we're going to be playing together, right? Go ahead. The parents establish it before the kids get together. They communicate it to their children before you even see the other child so everybody knows sort of how it's going to go. Yeah. And I also think in that, in that same line, having the expectation of how long that first interaction will be. Yes. Um, that it, it be, doesn't have to be long. Yeah. Actually, the yeah. very first play date we had uh, two weeks ago, it was the very first time we saw friends and we said we were only going to meet for one hour. Yeah. And it really took yeah, the pressure off. How was that? It was, yeah. it was actually great. And at the end of the hour, the kids, you know, were feeling more comfortable and they wanted to keep playing. And I said, you know, this is so wonderful. We're going to come see them again in a couple of days. And everyone felt okay about yeah. that. Well, and I think ending on the high note, yes. as opposed to having it be, you've pushed past that. This is so great. Mm-hmm. And it's all melting. Right. It was melting. before people were tired. It was before yeah. they were hungry, before they were worn out. So it was still like, whoa, this was so fun. We can't wait to do it again. Oh, I thought of one yeah. one other thing that we did do, and I feel like it's helpful. I mean, kind of depending on the age of your child, but before the play dates, we kind of did a, like a pre-talk, and afterwards we did a post-talk where we discussed like, wow, this is really exciting. Yeah. You know, it's going to be the first time that we see our friends. What are you looking forward to? Are you nervous about anything? Like, what do you expect will happen? And then we sort of broke it down after, like, wow, was that the way you thought it was going to be? How did you feel? Were there any things that you wish would you, you know, felt differently? Or were you excited? You know, just kind of discuss it afterwards and help them process it a little bit. Yeah, and it's true. Like, my four-year-old, we had a play date with a little girl. 
who was not as physical and he was just so excited to see another kid his age he almost couldn't contain himself and we just had to discuss that too like some people don't want to run around and be as loud and be as rough and that's okay you can do that but they might not want to participate right away but it doesn't mean that they're not their your friend of course mm-hmm. they just have a different way they want to play right now and that's okay now there is something i've realized as a mom during this period that i have to get readjusted to mm-hmm. which is bringing snacks with me yeah because not left the house really very much so <laughs> yeah. we were next to the refrigerator you know so, right and you want to bring your own snacks That's and your so own true. drinks because you don't necessarily want to be sharing. Yeah. It feels like parents are going to have to be just a little more involved in these opening stages than maybe they normally would be. Like we get together and the kids just run off and play together and they need a little bit more sort of help from adults right now, I'm feeling. And so we've been doing really structured activities where even sometimes the adults are participating. We all played a, a game with a giant Jenga Um, We were doing chalk paintings together. We did an arts and crafts. You know, we did like a trivia game, that kind of thing. And so even for my four-year-old who didn't initially want to participate, I said, you know, you just be on mommy's team. And then eventually he wanted to play on his own. But he really needed me to be interacting with the other people for him initially. That's a great point because I think – you know, we're so accustomed to, especially with friends who's your friends, you know, their children are friends right. together. Right. The expectation is they'll just go into their own imagination world. Right. And you can talk to their parent. And the reality is, as you're saying, they're going to need more structure yeah. right now. Right. Or the yeah. initial state. Absolutely. I think until they're comfortable. I think in that and that, you know, that morphs pretty quickly. But for the initial stage, they always needed like an initial structured activity that then people could observe mm-hmm. and maybe Atreyu had a friend that they were playing Uno and he didn't want to play. And then after 10 minutes or so of watching them play, he said, no, I want to play now. I said, Oh, that's great. Come on in, you know, but initially he just, he wasn't ready yet to engage like that. Also to remember, this is for a period of time. Right. It's not for the rest of no. your life that you're going to have to play that role. But- because I do think I get into that place. It's like, oh, this is going to be forever. No, no. it's not. Yeah, really it's not. totally just for a yeah. portion of time. But it's funny because if you consider it, three months in the life of a little kid is actually a significant percentage of their life. You know, so I have seen, you know, it's, we've just been seeing people for two weeks now, every couple of days. Mm-hmm. And even in that, mm-hmm. that's not a very long time. Even in that amount of time, I've seen him come much more out of his shell. And my eight-year-old has really gotten back into a more normal interaction with his friends. But it really did take, you know, the first couple of times of me just being a little more assertive about organizing these structured activities and also about being flexible. Like really, as parents, we so much, we want so many things for our kids and we want them to be happy and we want them to have connections. We want them to feel included And, you know, it's hard not to kind of impose that on them. They almost can feel kind of the weight of our emotional expectation. So I think Mm -hmm. also as parents, we kind of have to let go of the vision of how we think it's going to look the first play date they have and everyone's just going to be like sunshine and roses and it's going to be amazing. You know, like it's okay to recognize that your kids might not be their normal selves for a little bit of time like yeah. and you you can let go of those expectations yourself and just be flexible and you know keep the play date short and have a several structured activities for them and let them dip their toe in the water of being social 
And it's just, it's a really short adjustment period, but I think we have to honor that, you know. Thank you, my dear, for being Thank with you us so much. Today. It was really wonderful to talk. It's so wonderful. And it's such an ongoing question of what's the next step for us. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you for being here tonight on The Parent Path. Remember that going into new playdates is a new adventure. And no matter how they go, please remember, you are doing the most important work in the world because you are raising the next generation of children. And it will be because of your hard, incredible work that they grow to be strong, creative, incredible human beings. So know how important your work is and please take care of yourselves until the next time we meet. Have a wonderful night. For more information about the Q Studio Lab and the programs that we provide, please go to www.theqstudiolab.com. Hold on, I'm recording you. Okay, ready? I'm going to record you. Saying this story. Go ahead. So in the summertime, we went to Kentucky to visit Granny Mac. That was our grandmother. And you know how we got there? We traveled on an airplane from Rochester, New York to Nashville, Tennessee, and then somebody picked us up and took us to Lewisburg, Kentucky. You know how many stops the airplane made? Eight. Eight stops? Eight I don't think stops. I heard this story. Okay. Eight stops. This is when air this was passenger um travel on airplanes was brand new then. So this is like we're in the nineteen fifties. And so they had just you know, after World War Two was when passenger planes were available. Before then people didn't go on an airplane at all. They went on trains or in cars. Well those are adorable. <laughs> So anyway, so we went on the airplane, and you know what? We traveled by ourselves, just Glenn and me, and the stewardesses took care of us on the airplane. And it was always a race to see who was going to get airsick first, Glenn <laughs> or me. And you know, on the airplane, they have those little bags. Mm-hmm. You know those little bags? So those were the little bags that we would use. Last time we went in the car, it got sick did you have one of those bags so that you could throw up in it? Um, well, the first time, no. The last, the last time I... Uh, we, I we had it scientifically manufactured at that water. point, right? Oh, that was smart to have the a bag. The last time was water. Mm-hmm. Oh. So anyway, so that's how we got to Kentucky. Wow. But next door to where my grandmother lived, she lived in a house in a little town... Um, let's see, maybe something like where you've been in the Berkshires. In the Berkshires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like little Lennox town. or Stockbridge. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like a little town. And she lived in a big house. And next door to her was Mr. Brown. And Mr. Brown had two cows. And every morning, first thing, he you could always know what time it was because Mr. Brown walked by with his cows, taking them to the pasture. And then in the afternoon, he walked back, bringing his cows back from the pasture. 
But my favorite thing when we were in Kentucky was when the train came by. There was a train and it came by. The train tracks were back behind Granny Mac's house all the way past the corn. You had to run through the corn stalks and all the way to the back. And that's where the train tracks were. And the train man would whistle every time he was coming by. And Glenn and I would run out there and we would wave at him and he would wave back at us. <laughs> Did he wave at did he know who you were? He just knew that we were the two kids that, you know, were out there in the cornfield when he went by that one place on his route every day. <laughs> so that's how I knew. So, um, let's see. Then we have the story of the, um, of making eggnog. Do you know what eggnog is? Eggnog is a drink that you drink here, and now we drink it like at Christmas time. But when I was a little girl, you drank eggnog whenever. Whenever somebody made eggnog. Um, it's kind of like uh, you do a lot of eggs and put milk together, and. It's like custard, isn't it's it? It's like custard. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, you that. know, when we get like a creme brulee at the at Quaint when we've ordered yeah. that? Yeah. And you crack the top. Yeah. And there's like a custardy stuff underneath. Well, it's a little bit lighter than that because you drink it, but it's that sort of idea of like a Tastes kind of like that. Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, this one day, Granny Mac was getting ready to fix dinner, and she said, I don't have enough eggs for dinner. Would you and Glenn go and get eggs at the store? Now, Granny Mac's husband, actually then it wasn't her husband. He'd already died. Granny oh. Mac's husband and his brothers owned the general store in Lewisburg, Kentucky. And so that's where you went shopping when you needed anything. So Glenn and I went off to the general store to get a dozen eggs. On the way back from the store, Glenn said, watch this. <laughs> and he took the bag that had the dozen eggs in it and put it on his head. I said, Glenn, don't do that. The bag's gonna fall off your head. And the eggs are going to all smash on the ground, and Granny Mac's going to be really mad. And he said, no, won't I have great bones? And guess what happened? The eggs fell off his head. The eggs fell off his head down on the sidewalk, and they made a big mess. And we gathered it up as quick as we could, and the thing was dripping and dripping, and all the egg stuff was dripping. And we went (laughs) running to Granny Mac's house, and we ran in the house and into the kitchen. And fortunately, Emma, who was Granny Mac's maid, was in the cook, was in the kitchen, because she was a really nice woman. And she said, oh, what have you done? What have you done? And we said, oh, well, the eggs just broke. Mm -hmm. And she kind of (laughs) smiled and looked at us, and she said, they just broke all by themselves. They broke. And she's holding up the bag and she's taking the, you know, eggshells out and separating out the egg yolks and putting everything she could into the bowl. And she said, it wouldn't be that somebody decided to balance the eggs on their head, would it? And I looked at each other and we thought, does Emma have eyes in the back of her head? How does she know this? She said, well, guess what happened when I was a little girl? And then she told the exact same story. So then Glenn said, well, actually, I was putting the eggs on my head, and then they smashed. And she said, well, no problem. We're just going to have to make eggnog for dinner. And so that's what she did. And Granny Mac never knew the story. 
So she didn't get mad, and we didn't get in trouble. <laughs> okay, story's over. That's hilarious.